and welcome to the Fromer Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. As always, I'm thrilled to have you along for this joy ride. Thanks for listening last week when I told you all about my time in northern Michigan. What a gorgeous place. We're still going to be talking about American travel today because that's what most of us are doing. And to start today's show, we have one of my favorite travel writers. She is Kate Silver. She writes a lot for the Washington Post. In fact, she has a wonderful article up right now. It's called, Have Vaccine Will Travel? How a Road Trip Served as a Needed Jolt from the Blahs at Home. Well, Kate, I think that title says it all. Nice to have you back, Kate. Thank you. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, you and your husband decided you needed to hit the road, which is something a lot of people are doing this summer. You did it a little earlier, though, but you had the vaccine. So how did you go about planning and, and, and what, what inspired the trip? Yeah, I. Um, if it were just me, I probably would have waited a little longer. My husband is a little bit more ahead of the game with this kind of stuff, and he had been working on a car uh, Hmm. as one of his pandemic uh, sanity projects, fixing up this old uh, Z3M coupe known as a clown shoe car. And so he was really excited. (laughs) He was really excited about taking that out on the road. And so he mentioned it in early April. At that time, we both had vaccines on the books and knew that by the end of the end of April, we would be fully vaccinated and ready to at some point, we were going to have to re-enter the world, so why not do it quick? So he'd been eyeing this road called Tale of the Dragon, and it mm. is it straddles the Tennessee-North Carolina border, and it is a rather uh, treacherous road, you could say. But he mentions this to me, and I've been wanting for forever to go to Dollywood, and why not this year when she's, you know, helped fund one of the vaccines? Yeah. Uh, and thank I, you, Dolly. Thank you, Dolly. She's the patron saint of vaccines, I like to think. And uh, neither of us had ever been to North Carolina, and I had friends out there that I really wanted to visit. And so it really just, the idea of a road trip checked a lot of boxes. Um, so we started, I started planning it. Neil, Neil started, my husband Neil started uh, reading tips on how to drive Tale of the Dragon while I did the logistics for the, uh, for the road trip. I'd never heard of that road before, but it, it sounds absolutely awful yeah, <laughs> from my point of view. Yes. So uh, car aficionados and speed aficionados know this road well. Some publications have cl- called it the most dangerous road in the country. Um, huh? It is 11 miles, 318 curves up wow. a mountain to Lane Road. And uh, there are there are motorcycles coming down, dive bombing you basically as you're going up. It was it was quite an experience. We were both very sweaty by the end of it for different reasons. This was, I think, exhilaration, and mine was uh, fight or flight. Well, I love the fact you took off your glasses so you wouldn't have to see what what dangers were ahead of you. I did. I have bad vision, and I knew, but I knew I couldn't close my eyes. But my bad vision <laughs> served me well enough that I couldn't see any of the actual details aside from blobs. So. It's funny because along this stretch of road, because it's famous, there are professional photographers all along the way, kind of like roller coaster, you know. Like, oh my goodness. So I'm just thinking, oh my God, I hope they didn't get my terrible, terrified face. <laughs> Unfortunately, the uh, the windshield was pretty reflective, although he did, he did find one photo that shows me just kind of staring off, like, let this in while he's just like, <laughs> maniacally smiling. 
That's crazy. So where do these photographers post the photos? They, it's, it's some website that is posted on all of their cars and all of the signs. I think it's just one company that does it. And wow. you see them all in these little turnoffs and you know, like, oh, I'm going to check this out. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. So that's that was at the very beginning of the trip, yeah. right? So we got that out of the way. <laughs> so that was the beginning and that was in the Smoky Mountains. So um, that's mm. also where Dollywood is. So we had a cabin in the Smoky Mountains that was so nice. It was a two-level cabin. It had a pool table and decks and views of the wow. smoke that were just stunning. And how far in advance did you have to book? I know for the summer, a lot of people are finding no room at the inn when they're trying to find accommodations. But I'm assuming back in April, it was pretty easy to get a place to stay. Yeah, yeah. It was two weeks or less out. So hmm. I, I looked at lots of places and didn't. Yeah, there was there was availability then. I, I don't know how it is now as more people are, are starting to pack up their bags. Not good from what I hear, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, so we stayed there. And, you know, after being, we had both been incredibly vigilant about CDC regulations and um, both been working from home for, you know, since March of, of 2020. And so this is the first time that we really had changes of scenery and, and views and, and there was there's something to be said about that. I feel like yeah. many stops along the way of this trip wasn't even so much about the trip itself as what you realized you had been missing. Like we're yeah. all so deep in the soup that <laughs> it was a it was a chance to kind of step outside that terrain and realize, oh right, this is this is my old self. This is this is what I used to love. Well, I had a uh, another guest on a couple of weeks ago who said that even the most uh, local experiences, uh, travel experiences will feel very exotic after this time of being holed up at home, mm -hmm. that you don't have to go too far to get that real jolt of travel yeah. right now. I think that's true. I mean, one of one of my micro highlights was checking out at the one of the gift shops at Dollywood and um you know, everyone back then everyone was masked. I, I don't know what's happened there since the CDC changed their guidelines. Um, hmm. But kind of wearing the mask, talking to this sweet older woman who was working at the cashier, at the cash register, and she, you know, she'd been working at Dollywood for 18 years. And I was wow. just, oh, I bet you've met people from all over the world. And she's like, yeah, Australia and South Africa. And just like, just talking to strangers feels so wonderful. You know? Yeah. Wow. We have Robert Niles as our next guest on from Theme Park Insider. He didn't talk about Dollywood, though. So how were the roller coasters there? Was it was it worth the stop? I loved it. Yeah, we both loved it. It was really fun. Um, we actually, it, we invested in the fast passes. I don't know if you have feelings on those, but we wanted to make the most, hit the most rides in the most amount of time with the lowest. And that worked because I, I know at Disney right now, they're not selling fast passes. They're not doing that because they have so few spots on each ride that they couldn't figure out a system for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They have a limited number that they'll sell each day. And we were, I think we were like number 73 and 74 out of, I don't know, I think there might've been a hundred or something that they were going to sell. Uh, wow. yeah, no, it was super quick. We, we didn't wait more than five minutes probably on each ride. But yeah, the roller coasters were great. The uh, the funnel cakes were good. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Dolly Museum. Did you see lots of lots of her old costumes? And Pauline, I have to fess up that we did not make it to the museum. I didn't. We didn't see it. Oh, (laughs) whatever reason, we were we were walking around. We thought the entire theme park. And didn't see the historic place that like we had actually really, really wanted to go. It was huh. prominent to us. Oh, well, a reason to go back, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Okay, um, so you, you had the hair-raising drive. Then you had hair-raising roller coasters. Or did they not feel as hair-raising? No, they did. I mean, not as bad. I I trusted the uh, roller coaster engineer more than your husband yeah and all the other other drivers but yes (laughs) Uh, I did not take my glasses off for the roller coasters also um and the the views from them are amazing I mean it is I was kind of expecting there to be a little bit of kitsch and tackiness to Dollywood it was it was beautiful and very well done and you are just surrounded by gorgeous views of the Smoky Mountains hmm yeah and the Smoky Mountains are splendid it's a gorgeous area of the country it really is yeah. Well, actually, a very good area or used to be if you want to furnish your home. There are a lot of uh, furniture makers that are ah, wonderful in that area. Yeah. But anyway, next time. Yeah. So after Dollywood, where'd you go next? So after Dollywood, we continued into North Carolina and uh, stopped and saw a couple of my friends. One's a writer friend who has this amazing farm. And the other is my childhood best friend who lives in Boone. And again, like those were just, I mean, I was just so craving seeing, you know, my ladies. It was, it was so nice to just hug them safely and share pandemic survival stories. And with one of them, we went, we ate outdoors at a restaurant with the other who is a nurse. We ate um, indoors at our first restaurant and indoors at a bar. Um, Wow. Yeah. And it just. And that was before the CDC had told you you could, I guess. So that must have felt a little scary. You know, it just kind of felt normal. I feel like once huh. we were vaccinated, in our minds, it was just like, you know what? If this doesn't work, like, this is our last shot. We're going right. to it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it felt really nice and, and normal. We still, at that point, still wore masks to go to the bathroom and that kind of stuff. But yeah. Now, I know you're a foodie. How was the level of the cuisine that you tried in this area of the country? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, well, the, the small rural town outside of outside of um, Charlotte was just okay. But the um, Boone, Boone is such a wonderful little mountain town. I had so much fun there and the food was great. We went to a little brewery and um, my husband had pizza. Of course, as you know, my husband always has pizza. Um, <laughs> right. And I, he makes pizza. They have, they have a pizza oven in their backyard. So there, there's a reason for that. We do. And then I had like a fried, uh, hot, uh, Nashville hot fried chicken sandwich type situation. Um, mm. it, was, it was great. And it was just, it was just so much fun to, to see my friend and her family and picked up, right. picked up her little girls from um, elementary school and they played like her 10 year old played um, welcome to the jungle on the drums for us. She's a big guns and roses fan. I mean, just, just, <laughs> <lovely>. <laughs> just the things that would feel normal in another time that just feels so incredibly special today. So after Boone, where did you go? So then we drove to Nashville. So that was about a five hour drive and neither of us had been to Nashville before we were there for two nights and we got this adorable Airbnb there that was I mean, the style in Nashville is so over the top. If you ever 
look up. I love Nashville. It's a great city. It really is. And it's like the Airbnbs and VRBOs are competing so heavily with each other. Each one is trying to out-cute the other one with kind of its little country twang and style. Um, Ours had like uh, guitars on the walls and this giant bed that had lights all over it. And that was really fun. Wow. Yeah. So that was in the East Nashville neighborhood. And And you went to what I consider one of the best history museums in the United States. You went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, you've been? I've been. It's wonderful. It's such a fascinating story to hear how country, to hear about the roots of country music, how it shifted over the years, to see Elvis Presley's a gold Cadillac and just great stuff there. It was so great. And to know, like, I guess when you don't live in those areas, like I didn't know that hillbilly was not a derogatory term. And hmm. so that, that at one point it was hillbilly music. And then it kind of really to glam up its image and to draw in more people. That's when the cowboy image was kind of assigned to it, but it wasn't something that seemed to really naturally happen. Yeah, that was that was really really fascinating. And again, we got to pay tribute to Dolly Parton um, in the in the Hall of Fame. She's got a plaque up there. Oh yeah. Now were there what what I remember about Nashville was everywhere you went, from the airport when you flew in to every street corner, there was live music going on. Was it that type of scene, or was it a little bit more? tamped down. It was a little more sedate. We went through the that main music district, which I, I couldn't, couldn't even tell you the name right now. But um, and there was it was daytime. Uh, and uh-huh. there was live music coming out from those bars. I wouldn't say every corner at all, because that, that would have been lovely. Yeah, there were, I would say the main music that we heard was coming from all of the pedal pubs and bachelorettes. <laughs> <laughs> right, they have these big uh Gosh, how do you even, uh, there are these buses that people are pedaling by themselves as they drink copious amounts of liquor and blast music as they go down the streets. Yeah. So that felt like they were kind of getting back to normal there. And, you know, wow. even in our best days, that would have driven us a little bit crazy. So we, uh, we, we, we veered away from there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But it's a great city. And then you went to another favorite of mine. Louisville. Yeah. So, which is a hidden gem. A lot of people don't know what a great city that is. Yeah. So, the thing that we learned about Louisville, especially now, post uh, mid COVID, but post vaccine, uh, is that you really have to get a reservation if you want to go to a distillery because we, um, we were rolling into town and we had like a two hour drive to get there. It's very close to Nashville. And I was looking up places that we could go, just thinking like we could do a tour or if not that, just, you know, sit at one of the one of the bars and have a drink and they were like they were booked out weeks if not months um wow because yeah i think kentucky was still it possibly is still um restricting you know numbers and such and that i I would say that that was a place where it felt the most um covid felt the most present whereas some of the places like we would go into gas stations in Tennessee where you wouldn't know that there had been a pandemic. I mean, there were no masks. There was no acknowledgement of it. There were no signs. Louisville, I feel like you, you definitely felt it. 
So we filled our time. Well, I mean, we were only there one night. We stayed at 21C. I don't know if you've stayed at those. I've heard of it. I didn't stay there, but I know of it. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell our audience what, what it is. It's, yeah, it's a very so cool I, place. Yeah, it really is. It's a, uh, it's a hotel slash art museum. And I think there's eight of them now. There was actually one of my last um, pre-COVID stops in Chicago, because there's one in Chicago was doing a tour of the local one. But so there's um, two different levels of art galleries. And so we just wandered around and look at different works of art, which, you know, range from photography to sculpture to everything mm. else. Um, and we went to the, they have a bar. That's one of the kind of um, trendy places in town there. So we uh, scratched our bourbon itch and had a great old fashioned at the bar. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a good, it was a good kind of mellow end to the trip, I would say. Right. If you ever go back, you have to go to the Muhammad Ali Museum. Oh. He's from Louisville, and it's a great museum and very interactive. They they have like a a, a fake boxing ring where you can try and and uh, try your moves against. Oh. Uh, but it's 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 a uh, an interesting thing. Also, the Louisville Slugger Museum, the amazing Actors Theater of Louisville, one of the country's best theaters. I hope they're doing okay. It's been a rough time for theaters. Well, it was such a delight to read your article in the Washington Post. And I, I loved with what you ended with. You you ended by quoting Rick Steves uh, about what he had to say about travel. I'd love to end the interview the same way. Can you can you tell us what he, he says travel is? Yeah. Um, but it's um, it's living intensified, I believe, is the exact. Yeah. Living intensified and, is and what travel really is. Not like that. It, it was kind of in reflecting on the last year of no travel. It it felt very blah. It's and mundane and the lack of inten- lack of in- uh, the opposite of intensified. And so to just kind of get out and see the world again. And it just it felt like we got a recharge and energy and creativity and ideas and just kind of brought a little life back to our cheeks, I think. Yeah, no. And you get that from the article. It's a wonderful piece. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for appearing on the Fromer Travel Show. Thank you. It was so great talking to you. Our second guest is Robert Niles. He is the editor of Theme Park Insider. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show, Robert. Nice to speak with you again. Nice to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been an interesting time for theme parks because despite people worrying that they would be vectors of uh, infection, actually there has not been that I know of one major outbreak linked to a theme park. Is that correct? As far as we know, I mean, the simple fact right. is that a lot of parks have just been closed. So sure. nobody's going to catch anything if no one's there. And then, you know, it just kind of comes down to tracking. But the fact is, you know, we're on the far side of this thing right now. A lot of people are getting vaccinated. Yeah. And parks are opening back up with a, a, a lot of new safety enhancements in place. But, uh, you know, parks are opening up and people are really responding well to that. Well, I know at the Disney parks, at least in Florida, they are now no longer going to require you to wear a mask everywhere. 
What right. what are the protocols like at other theme parks? And tell me if I'm right about Disneyland, Disney World, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it really still does come down to uh, what state or local jurisdiction you're in and then the policies of the individual parks within those. Uh, I'm in California, for example, and out here, there still is a statewide mask mandate in place. Disneyland is still requiring people to wear a mask unless you're sitting down in a restaurant eating. Uh, But at Disney World, like you said, in outdoor common areas, you don't have to wear a mask anymore if you're vaccinated and they're not checking if you are or not. Universal is taking a little step further and uh, saying that the vaccinated guests don't have to wear masks uh, at all when they're in in the property. And wow. you're seeing so of a wide variety of, of rules around the country. But basically, you know, the move is if you're 12 and older, get vaccinated and you don't have to worry about this thing anymore. So that's certainly what I'm encouraging and a whole lot of other people are encouraging folks to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you're not going to find out the rules, say, from Six Flags. Six Flags will be following what their state's protocols are. Generally, generally, I just say, go check, go check the park's website. They will tell you there what their specific rules are and check them the day you're going to visit, because these rules are changing sometimes on a daily basis. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk as if the pandemic hadn't happened. (laughs) Let's talk about theme parks and and what is new are there any massive new roller coasters or other types of attractions that will be debuting this summer there are so many fun things happening around the country right now um like i said i'm in california out here they're just opened up the new avengers campus at disney california adventure at the disneyland resort This Mm. is a big new Marvel-themed land, so there's a new Spider-Man ride there. There's going to be appearances by Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel, and all your favorite Avengers are going to be in this new land. They've got a cute new restaurant themed to Ant-Man and the Wasp called Pim Test Kitchen, where they're serving food that's been treated with Pim particles, though they're all in unusual shapes and sizes. Mm. I was worried you were going to tell me they're, they're serving insects, but no. <laughs> Ant Man no. and the Wasp. No, and that's not there. Serve you, but they're not going to be serving <laughs> insects. Well, good, uh, good. And then out in Orlando, Universal Orlando is about to officially debut their new Jurassic World Velocicoaster. It's been soft open for about a month now, and people are just raving about this. Wow. It is a Jurassic themed roller coaster. Uh, the whole conceit is that they decided to open a new roller coaster in the Raptor Paddock at Jurassic World. Life <laughs> could course. go wrong. As you do. Yep. It all goes horribly wrong. And now the Raptors are chasing after you. And you've got to get on the roller coaster to escape. But it's a fun ride. And I can't wait to get onto it myself. Very cool. What about other parts of the country besides those two real theme park meccas, uh, the, the Six Flags and, and the other theme parks out there? Yeah, the um, actually the SeaWorld and Bush Gardens parks last year were going to debut this really impressive lineup of roller coasters at all of their parks. And only the Texas park actually got theirs open before the pandemic hit. So now yeah. everyone's waiting to see when the rest of these coasters are going to open. And they haven't given us an opening date yet, but there's a, a fun new coaster called Pantheon that's coming to Bush Gardens in Williamsburg. And then Bush Gardens in Tampa is supposed to have a record-setting new hybrid coaster uh, from Rocky Mountain Construction. 
It's a new steel track on the old uh, Gwazi roller coaster called Iron Gwazi. And uh, that one looks like a lot of fun, too. We're just waiting to see an opening date on that. Now, this may be me being cynical, but what can be so different in a roller coaster nowadays? I mean, uh, obviously higher, faster, but are there other things that people should be looking for in terms of the experience? I tell you what, over the last decade or so, parks have really kind of moved away from the higher, faster thing, because I think we were Hmm. really beginning to reach the limits of what an average human body can take. Um, oh, wow. you know, we're not we're not super athletes out here hopping onto something that's going to be hitting us with, uh, you know, jet fighter G forces or anything like mm-hmm. that. So they're really kind of getting back to the roots of placemaking and storytelling. The number one roller coaster that we have rated by our readers on ThemeParkInsider.com right now is the Hagrid's Harry Potter roller coaster at Universal's Islands of Adventure. And huh. Universal even calls it a story coaster because it's really about kind of these series of dark ride scenes with little, you know, kind of roller coaster segments in between them. So it's so much more about the story than it is the thrill ride itself. It's still a great thrill ride, but uh, sure. you know, it's not something that's going to make people sick by any means. And they've kind of kept with that same spirit with that new Jurassic World Velocicoaster that's coming out. We also see a little bit with that um, Bush Gardens coasters that I talked about. These are They're leaning into theming with these things. They're leaning in with storytelling. So they're really trying to create something that appeals to a much broader audience than maybe roller coasters did 10 years ago. Hmm. I remember for a while, there did seem to be a movement to personalize the experience, to allow you to have headphones on Mm -hmm. that would have different types of music that would jive with the ups and downs of the ride. Is that still very popular? Yeah, definitely. Onboard audio is still a thing at a lot of roller coasters around the country. But personalization is also becoming increasing in a lot of attractions like, um, you know, the new Spider-Man ride at uh, Disney California Adventure. That's an interactive ride. But, you know, unlike some things like Buzz Lightyear or Men in Black, you're not holding on to some plastic gun. Disney's created this whole new motion sensor thing so that you can shoot webs from your own wrist that appear on the 3D screen. So they're just, they've got all these cameras on you that you're kind of inferring from your shaking your arm around what you're targeting at. So it's a different experience every time. It really encourages you to work with the other people in your car, the rest of your family, to to cooperate to get higher scores and and complete your mission on the attraction. So there's a lot of that sort of thing happening right now where we're taking inspiration from video games and interactive media, trying to create things that aren't just the same old experience every time you come visit. We've talked with Jason Cochran, who's our author of the Fromer's uh, Orlando Guide. And he has said that it may not be the best summer, at least at Disney World, to bring your little kids there. Because a lot of the meet and greets are not happening. A lot of the shows are not happening. Is this a problem at theme parks beyond uh, Disney World? Or is it just that theme park? I mean, this is this is a tricky summer for travel for parents of kids under age 12, because mm-hmm. as we know, they're not eligible for vaccines yet. Right. Uh, even though the infection rates and the uh, serious injury uh, uh, injury rates are, are relatively low for kids, uh, you know, they still can be victims to this. So for a lot sure. of parents, you have to make some tough decisions about what you're going to do this summer. 
as for theme parks, yeah, I mean, we're not completely back to normal yet. Things are changing rapidly. By the end of the summer, we might be seeing something close to normal operation in a lot of places yet. But yeah, meet and greets aren't there right now. Uh, capacities are still somewhat reduced, which are leading to longer lines in a lot of situations. Some favorite experiences, such as playgrounds, that used to be a great place to let your kid kind of run around without any lines, get some energy sure. out. Um, some of them aren't available yet at, at certain huh. parks. So, you know, this might be a, a season where you're looking more at, say, a, a regional park that's all outdoors that isn't maybe as character driven so that you've got you know, outdoor attractions, a little bit safer environment for a non-vaccinated child to be in. Maybe you're looking at uh, you know, other types of, of, of themed entertainment that's out there as opposed to going to one of the really big Orlando or Southern California parks, where maybe mm -hmm. you just say, hey, we'll hit you at Christmas or we'll hit you next year, because you know, all the stuff that's debuting now is going to be there next year, and even more is going to be there at well. For instance, Walt Disney World, they're kicking off their 50th anniversary on October 1st this year. So huh. the 18 months after that are going to be a really, really big deal at Disney World. So I, I know there are a lot of people who are like, you know what? I'm going to wait for the 50th and then check you out then. So, I mean, that's perfectly acceptable. I mean, you do what you need sure. to do to make sure you're having the best summer possible for you and your family. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about cost. I know in many mm -hmm. cities around the United States, restaurant costs have gone up significantly, as have lodgings, less so in cities than in, in rural places. But what are we seeing at theme parks? Have they raised their rates? And what are the best ways to save money this summer? We're not seeing parks raising rates at this point. In fact, there still are some discounts out there. The biggest change that we've seen in the industry is that Disneyland dumped their annual pass program, which was a source mm -hmm. of a lot of discounts for people in the past. Uh, so, you know, in real terms, yes, prices are up at Disneyland because you can't come on your AP anymore. Huh. Uh, but uh, they they came back. It's the same prices as they had before the pandemic on 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 daily tickets. Uh, and then Universal and other parks, uh, they're really pushing annual passes uh, themselves at this point, which can be great deals for people, particularly if like you're looking at a, a, a summer road trip and you want to hit a whole bunch of parks. You can get a Six uh, Flags Pass or a, right. or a Cedar Point Pass that are good at all of the parks in that particular chain. And that can be a great way to save money on multiple trips. And that's because you not only get entry, but you also get either discounted or free parking and other perks. Yeah. I remember in, in past years, we've said that these types of passes can pay off within two visits. Is that too optimistic this year? Or is that that about right? No, not, not at all. I think for a lot of parks, that still is the case. If you're going for more than, if you're going to visit a park for more than one day in a year or a season, absolutely look at what their annual pass offer is. Hmm. Because yes, when you consider in uh, you know the cost of two days of tickets, plus whatever parking benefit or merchandise benefit or food and beverage benefit you might get, absolutely the annual or seasonal pass can be a really good deal for your family. And what about, I know in past years, you know, certain soda brands or certain uh, grocery store chains have given discounts to park goers. Yeah. Should people be on the alert for those? I would definitely be on the alert for that point. We're not seeing a whole lot of that in the market at the moment right now. I think partially because of the reduced capacities that a lot of parks are continuing to operate under. And we're yeah. just not seeing that kind of cooperative advertising happening between brands at the moment. 
I think everybody is just kind of feeling out what's happening in this transitional period that we have between the depths of the pandemic and you know what seems to be on the horizon. But I would not be surprised as we move through the summer and parks increase their capacity as they start kind of looking and seeing what consumers are doing. You might see some parks saying, hey, you know, we need to get aggressive to get our market share back at this stage. So we need to start mm-hmm. doing discounts. So definitely be following some of your favorite parks on social media. We'll spread news about those sorts of deals on themeparkinsider.com as well. So keep your ears open. I mean, like I said, things are changing so rapidly in travel yeah. right now that a lot of deals that are not available right now might materialize within the next month or two. Well, fingers crossed. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for appearing here on the Frommer Travel Show. It is always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. You too. And thank you all for listening. That is it for this week's podcast. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. Watching K.